Has the court given you meanings to the definition of mother and son? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LaborNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis, and across from me is my brother from another mother, Yasser Yaslakat Ismail. Or do you mean uh, Mr. from another sister, babe? That's it. <laughs> so there was an interesting case that came out of the Labor Court recently where the Labor Court found that a man um, was not intending to be dishonest when he went to his mother's funeral twice. So in the case of Toyota South Africa Motors versus uh, NUMSA on behalf of Njilo, um, the Labor Court was asked to review a case where the CCMA found that um, he was unfairly dismissed after he was charged with dishonesty in that during the period he provided false information about his relationship with the deceased, which resulted in him receiving compassionate leave payments for which he did not qualify. So Mr. Angelo had gone and applied for family responsibility leave or compassionate leave, whichever you want to refer to it in terms of the Labor Relations Act. And the leave form submitted by Mr. Angelo reflected the deceased as being his mother and son. However, when explained in Western terms um, and the company's compassionate leave policy, the Mr. Angelo's son, as he explained, was actually his late brother's son or his nephew, and the mother's had been his late father's second wife and the other his aunt. However, the CCMA accepted Mr. Angelo's version, which in broad to- terms was that he uh, all that he really knew um, was that he could apply for leave when a family member dies. He wasn't aware of the intricacies of compassionate leave or in terms of the basic conditions of employment act, what is defined as family responsibility leave. And he said that, you know, when it comes to the policy, it did not cover people he regarded in Zulu culture to be his immediate family or mother and son. Mr. Angelo said that in the Zulu culture, a man assumes the responsibility for his uh, deceased father's wives and the children of his deceased brothers. Um, and at no stage did he hide the relationship the, or the actual relationship between him and the deceased when he approached his group leaders at the company to apply for leave. And it's evident that his group leaders were also Zulu speaking themselves. So we need to understand that um, – at least in respect to um, all the employees such as Mr. Angelo at the company, the the practice was that he would go and approach a group leader and ask for leave who would then in turn complete the application form and forward it to HR for approval together with any supporting death certificate. So in summary, the arbitrator found that there was no actual dishonest intent on behalf of Mr. Ngilo and that his dismissal was then unfair. Now, as I said, this matter went to the Labour Court and what we need to emphasize is, uh, and what was expressly said in the judgment by the Labour Court was that The Constitutional Court has recently reiterated that a review court, so the matter going to the Labour Court for review, should not at large consider to decide the matter afresh. Thus, based simply on the review application alone, the Labour Court found that the matter 
had no evidence, and I quote, that the arbitrator had committed any reviewable irregularity in her assessment of the evidence of her conduct of the proceedings and the award should stand. So despite the fact that the Labour Court did not review the matter, um, there are important considerations to take away from this judgment. And I know we might all be scratching our heads saying, okay, well, you know, the definitions in any policy are, are, are quite obvious when it comes to how we understand these things. But what this does explain, is, and the Labour Court went on to go and say that the leave policy of Toyota comprised of 35 pages. However, the compassionate leave one was situated, and I quote, in an obscure section in smaller writing, um, and that none of the company's witness could even go and state that the policy was properly explained to employees. So what we take away from this uh, is the highlighting of the awareness that employers should create on policies and procedures within their company. And the ability to demonstrate uh, reasonable awareness or how it has been created or how we can rely on the fact that awareness has been created with regards to the staff. Another aspect is, is that in particular in this case, we need to see that there was an assessment of his actual intent to deceive. And when we determine an intent to deceive on face value, uh, we can see from this case, we need to take into account the totality of circumstances where he was looking at the cultural aspects of it. And all the totality of circumstances in this matter showed that he did not demonstrate any contrived or devious manipulation. So quite simply, um, it seems open and shut where you can say this person is a mother or a son where in Western terms it is not. However, taking into account Zulu culture, taking into account the manner in which you applied for leave, all these things. So highlighting again the importance of ensuring that not only processes and procedures are um, reiterated to staff and employees, as well as when we feel that an employee might have contravened such to go and assess the intent to actually deceive. So Another aspect where we have a look from this matter is how much emphasis was placed on the appropriateness of the sanction as well. So the appropriate, uh, appropriateness of implementing a sanction has many merits. And in this case, uh, the court went on to go and emphasize the fact that there was 17 years service with an unblemished track record and that he was not senior. All these factors need to be considered in totality when you decide to terminate an employee. So on face value from this case, uh, we might all be sitting around going, okay, does this uh, create new definitions of, of in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, which itself doesn't go and define who is a mother, father, sibling, guardian, and the like. Um, and these need to be expressed in awareness sessions if it is required, but also taking into account the cultural aspects of when a person requires family responsibility under those circumstances. And uh, the fact that the these matters are not open and shut. Again, stressing the fact that we take into account the totality of circumstances, not only in finding a person guilty of offenses, but also in determining what is an appropriate sanction or outcome for these matters. And it was emphasized in this that evidence is required to prove that the trust relationship would have been broken and that there was no future employment relationship possible. So if you want to get in touch, uh, suggest topics, or even just say hi, 
please fire off an email to sesk at or you can find us on all the major social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platforms you use to listen to us. And uh, yeah, give us a rating as well on that account. Make certain that you do not miss any episodes and stay in touch with all things labor relations. So from myself, BGD, and my brother from another mother, yes, till next week, cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.